coming at scenarios and in, in, in any situations with more empathy and coming to these solutions out of love and, and, and not necessarily fear. Like it's, you know, it's okay to be mad as so many people are and should be. But I think that that has just in my own personal realm has really changed how I look at a lot of these challenges and also with them, you know, solutions. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Rome from Home podcast. I'm your host and the founder of Rome, Chris Gerard, and I'm joined by my friend, Dr. Terry O'Connor. What's up, Terry? Hey, CJ. Good to be with you again. Super stoked for today, right? I mean, this yeah. is a, this is a, our guests almost, they need no introduction. Uh, Jeremy Jones and Travis Rice in conversation about climate action. I can't wait to get into this with these two. I mean, they are magicians and wizards of manifesting big ideas. Uh, so to talk about this with them is, is a treat. Yeah. And I think what's really going to be interesting for me is uh, obviously we're going to be talking about climate, which just looks like such a massive problem. And it's really interesting to hear from someone who's been in the biz for such a long period of time in activism, like Jeremy, how he's navigated and um, basically come to understand the best way to respond to the problem. And someone like Travis, who's, who's beginning uh, to incorporate you know, an ethos of being an activist uh, in his career as well. And so uh, really looking forward to the banter between these two. Me too. Let's, let's dive into it. Welcome them on. All right. Travis Rice and Jeremy Jones. If anybody who's listening doesn't know who our guests are today, uh, you're definitely coming from outside of the outdoor world, but we've got Jeremy Jones and Travis Rice in conversation today on the Rome from Home podcast. And these two, uh, as I said, really don't need any introduction, um, but in case you don't know who they are, they're both professional snowboarders in addition to entrepreneurs, in addition to, to founders of, of various uh, organizations, including the nonprofit Protect Our Winters, and most recently for Travis, uh, the Natural Selection Tour. Uh, I think between both of you on a quick search, it's like you both it's close to a hundred films that the two of you have starred in. You've both directed uh, numerous films. Uh, these two are uh, unbelievable forces in the outdoor world, specifically in snowboarding. And we're just so pleased to have you both on. So thank you gentlemen for joining us today. I would love to hear just the story of when you guys first met. I mean, you've known each other, you've been in the space for so long. Do you have a recollection of how did, how did Jeremy Jones and Travis Rice first uh, come on each other's radar? Well, I'll start that as like a bit younger and as a very impressionable mega fan of snowboarding, also digesting media and film, you know, definitely well aware of, of the kind of Teton gravity research ecosystem and, you know, some of the progressive like free riding components that Jeremy had been a part of for years, pushing the boundaries of, of riding in Alaska. And I think inevitably, you know, bumping into you a few random times that honestly, I don't really have vivid memories of, but, you know, in the more kind of modern incarnation, I was lucky enough to get on the Rosignol snowboards. That was one of my first sponsors and also one of Jeremy's main sponsors at the time. And, you know, Rosignol had, I think, one of the hands down best teams in snowboarding for I don't know, probably close to a decade. And so being able to be a part of that team, then, you know, I, Jeremy and his uh, his work was much more prevalent to me and actually got to spend some time with him. And then also 
it's a really small community and family that made the pilgrimage to Alaska to pursue riding up there. And I went up as a very impressionable apprentice. And there was a number of people who I was lucky enough to, uh, you know, spend time with learning in the mountains of Alaska. So that was, that was definitely a big part of my introduction to Jeremy. That, yeah, that you summed it up well. Um, but yeah, just murmurs of this kid from Jackson Hole, ski patroller's father, and then I'd see him on the hill. And, and I remember uh, we ended up, it was right after Super Park where Travis, like, literally just busted down the door into the scene with some monster you hit you know went hit that hip and like stand out next level freestyle at like 16 years old and i we ended up um on a rosignol trip shortly after that and it was just so apparent the energy and focus and excitement that travis brought to the sport and what's cool is I still, when I see Travis, I still see him as that 16-year-old just amping kid. Uh, so it's nice to see that has not worn off. <laughs> yeah, I like to think nothing's changed. I just have a little more facial hair now. So, <laughs> and, and a child also. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, both of your creativity in the space of snowboarding, you know, I think it's fair to say that you've, the contribution that both of you have made is massive and has shaped so much i think of the the next generation of of snowboarding and we could talk for an hour about that with no doubt um i think today what we're going to talk about more is the subject of climate action and and in particular along the road jeremy you know you founded protect our winters which to to those in the outdoor space is super well known i think outside the out, outdoor space as well now maybe you could give us a a, a little bit of a, a background on on that and then Travis I'd love to hear about the natural selection tour also sort of your 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 other babies if you will protect our winners and uh in the natural selection tour well and Jeremy on on the end of that response too I, I would also love to just hear kind of an update I mean you guys have been in this like exponential like growth curve of what you've been doing there and yeah so I mean I guess just you know a lot on that question so I guess just the start of it seeing changes to winter coinciding with what scientists uh, started talking about. Um, it was getting louder, louder and louder from the uh, scientific community that climate's changing, we have a problem, we're on the wrong path. And just, you know, my whole life is based around winter. And so hearing that, I'm like, I don't like the sounds of that. We should be doing something about this and at that point i had had a bunch of pro model products and i'm like we're you know i'm going to take a percentage of sales and give it to a climate group and in doing so and researching and i'm like wow there's really um definitely groups doing work on climate but it would be it just didn't uh resonate with me it wasn't in the tone of like embrace the outdoor community to come together and I started talking to some people in that space. I learned to not be afraid to just like cold call people and be like, hey, I'm a snowboarder. I care about climate. What, what should we do? And so through that process, it was clear um, that, you know, one person close to the Surfrider Foundation in particular was like, you need to start something in the outdoor industry. And I'm like, that is the last thing I'm looking to do. Uh, and I, tried to talk myself out of it for a long time. And I'm sure um, Travis knows like 
you get these ideas, uh, whether it's natural selection or films or what have you, and you're just like, that's way too hard. Um, but the, the good ones keep coming back and protect our winners kept coming back. So I finally just was like, you know what, they're right. And so I decided to start it, took a while to get it off the ground. And then I just reached out to the the best people I could find in climate. You know, I'd read an article and track that person down and be like, hey, do you want to be on the board to protect our winners? And it was uh, amazing because they all said yes. And then, so my goal was knowing that I'm not a climate scientist was to surround myself with the smartest people in the field and just kind of get them all in the room and, and, you know, and start climbing this mountain of climate change. And, um, and it is a true, you know, that first step is the hardest step. And then once you start moving up that mountain and get smarter people around you, uh, you gain some momentum and, and that's where we are today. And I guess I do remember the, again, just trying to talk myself out of it. Don't do this. Don't do this. And then I, what got me over the hump was I wrote together, we can protect our winners. And I'm like, this isn't about me. This is like, I'm just going to like put this little infant into the world and either, uh, you know, the outdoor community is going to come and help raise it, or it's not going to make it very far. And the outdoor community came in right away. And, and so I'm psyched where we're at. How many years has it been, Jeremy, like what, when that first little seedling of an idea to where we are today, how long have you been at it? Well, I, 2005, I um, first had the thought of it, tried to talk myself out of it. And then um, for over a year and then officially like had a website up and approved nonprofit in 2007. It's just interesting hearing you talk about um, having this idea. It's kind of like a burr in the saddle, right? That's just nagging at you over and over again. Because I don't think anybody really understands the amount of effort it takes to put together a nonprofit and get a good board together and all the years of effort and networking before it actually obviously takes flight, right? And actually gets capture. And um, I think what I found, and when we talked to other guests that have been on this podcast so far, for many of them, it's a transformative moment perhaps, or it's just this uneasy feeling. Like one of my great mentors told me like some of the best things happen out of these unstable moments. Like you feel at conflict and at odds about what your life is at the moment and what you see coming on the horizon. And it's just a call of action that you just actually have to do it. And so I'm wondering, cause I'm sure there were plenty of times you're like, ah, that's kind of a cute idea, but man, it looks like a lot of work, but you stuck through it with all those years. And so was there something that you think really motivated you? Was it an uneasiness or were you just inspired by the amount of people that were following along with the idea? Like it was just the right idea at the right time. And, and I've never really kind of heard much of the insight about that early journey with, with pal with you. Yeah. I mean, definitely significant amounts of uneasiness. And, and I assume Travis says the same thing. It's like, it's wild to me how much sleep I will lose over some, say, societal risk-taking or business risk-taking opposed to like the night before going into the mountains and doing something that literally is a no-fall zone, zero mistake <laughs> snowboarding, and I'll sleep fine at night. And yeah. then, and, it, and I bring that up, it's just the weight of you know, society or what have you. And, and I think that the risk-taking in the mountains has helped me take risks outside of the mountains uh where i'm like what the hell is the worst case and why are you losing sleep over this and then i guess with pow people 
came, you know, started supporting it. Like I knew the mags, I knew the movie companies. They're like, yeah, we can help shoot the video, da, 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 da. And then the companies, I made a really conscious effort to not just go out and have all my sponsors support it. Like a big step was uh, meeting with Donna Carpenter, the head owner, Jake Burton's wife uh, of Burton Snowboards. And they came on pretty early on. Um, when we did the early ads, I would use other riders because I didn't want it to come off as this Jeremy Jones Foundation. And so really trying to elevate other people's voices other companies voices and so it's really that's why protect our winners is what it is today is is it's this real collective movement and i consider myself as like a spoke in the wheel amongst a bunch of other spokes and and that's you know why i think we have this success yeah i think one of the things you missed in your intro was that we're both workaholics probably like you gerard <laughs> This this is a room full of workaholics right here. Yeah, CJ and well, I were just and chatting about that before you guys came on. <laughs> There's my that wife, too. Um, would like fall over if she heard that. I, I work a shit ton, but I am a devout member of the Church of the Seven Day Recreationalist, and um, and my world does not work if I am not whether it's a half hour, an hour, what have you. Like, I need to go grab a piece of life and celebrate it every day. Well, I, I think we that. probably share that it. too, but uh, the working hard has to happen so you can peace out for seven to 14 to sometimes when, when I'm lucky a month. <laughs> yeah. uh, sorry, I hear you there. But uh, yeah, maybe we should s switch back over to Travis a little bit here. Um, I, you know, Travis, I, I hadn't heard too much about uh, the event until just recently and getting involved with Rome and, and had a pleasure of watching some of the event too. And um, I guess maybe talk a little bit about what you've been up to. And then uh, I, I guess both CJ and I would like to hear just a little bit of your reflections on kind of your perspective of how you've seen the world change in your interaction with the natural environment and how that might be changing kind of just how you see interacting with and creating these projects going into the future, uh, especially with the audience that we have here with, with Jeremy. Yeah, man. I mean, look, I, uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of great people and so many of these projects that we do, it's like, it, it's a team effort and the attempt at success is, is really, you know, comes down to how well your team works together, communication, and especially just the ability to be head motivator. And that's, that's kind of what I am. I'm, I'm, I'm a motivator. You know, I, I think it's one of those things where like ideas are basically worthless without putting them into action. There's a lot of people that have a lot of great ideas, but if you don't act on them, they're kind of just hot air. And so in my world, I've, I've been lucky to, you know, I use the term apprentice. I think it's a great term with a lot of individuals from the realm of like filmmaking to snowboarding approach to, you know, sustainable riding in the backcountry. You know, a lot of the brands uh, learning just how, you know, companies work, how, you know, commerce works and more recently what sacred commerce is all about. And I, I think through it all, each, each project that I have been lucky enough to be a part of or initiate, you know, it has been this like series of stepping stones where each project, you learn a lot from it. It takes you to a certain point and then you kind of use that as a new foundation to continue to move forward. And that, that's kind of been the rhythm of getting to, I guess, where I am today. 
with my main project being the natural selection tour. And, you know, the natural selection tour, you know, in a nutshell, it's, you know, we're trying to create a new premier league in Alpine winter sports. And the center of it, the foundation of it is, is mother nature is the main character. And that's part of the ethos with our events, the approach to what we're trying to do. I mean, I kind of think that snowboarding has been headed in this direction for 50 years. It's obviously needing to go through all of its kind of iterations and incarnations, if you could call them that, from back in the day, like Jeremy was at the top of his game as a racer, the, the art of the turn. And, you know, it went through these series of, of incarnations and to freestyle and then freestyle for the last three decades plus has gone through its evolutions and now has found itself in a world that is, you know, hyper-specific. And I think it's always been heading in the direction and we couldn't do what we're doing today without all of this previous phases of snowboarding. And so inevitably I'm myself and our whole team at Natural Selection, it's, it's kind of, we take on this responsibility of trying to bring to light what so many riders in the industry, businesses in the industry, I think kind of want to see is what the future potential of, you know, where say penultimate snowboarding is. And, and so with the natural selection, I mean, we, you know, we did our first event in Jackson in 2008, we called the natural selection and we learned a lot from it, learned that, you know, so much of the evolution of the riding and sport component of it is based around the terrain, just, you know, the great example of like half pipes, right? Like when half pipes used to be six to eight to 10 feet and the 12 foot cut pipe and 16 feet and 18 feet and then the 22 super foot super pipe. I mean, you see the level of riding um, progressed along with that. And so much of it is the underlying venue. And so we're uh, kind of in a similar way, we've been evolving the venue and the courses that this type of competition takes place on with our goal being, you know, the riding that takes place in natural selection is comparative to what you see in snowboarding films, which I think are kind of where you see that progression happen in riding. And, you know, through bringing it into a tour phase, you know, to its tour component that it is now, you know, the goal has always been to utilize the the sporting component, the competition as kind of the tent pole, but it allowing us to bring in all of these other components and kind of up-level the conversation happening, not just in winter sports, but action adventure sports and, and beyond. And being able to bring in education, being able to bring in conversations around everything from you know mental health, health and wellness, to sustainability and conservation, to another avenue for making learning fun. Because at the end of the day, if it's not fun, or if there's not a delivery device or an angle that is attention getting too often than not, it's simply just dull unless you're passionate about it. So Travis, maybe let me know how you make that transition. What's the mechanics of bringing into this conversation space you talked about? So you obviously have an audience of passionate uh, adventurers, snowboarders who want to watch a unique event like this. How do you bring in these other issues? It seemed like maybe disparate concepts and, and, maybe kind of opposed to what they're actually coming to see, but to bring them into that conversation, you kind of laid out the bait, but then how do you open up the conversation? Well, so the beauty of it is so much of what we rely on is our subject matter. 
So the hydrology of an area, say like here in Jackson Hole, in and around like where does our water come from and where does it go? It's about understanding some of these like greater hydrological processes to play in the snow that so many of us, you know, love so much. And that's, I think, at the root of Protect Our Winners with Jeremy, especially being down in Tahoe, you know, there's these certain areas on the planet that are a little more susceptible than others. We're all affected, but like Tahoe, you know, you see it's an area that has, you know, had like multi-year droughts, or you go up to places, you know, in the higher latitudes, like Alaska, for example, is another great example. You know, you see the effects so much more blatantly than other places like Jackson Hole, for example, like it's position, you know, and where it's located in the Rockies, its elevation, you know, it's not as noticeable. Like, sure, we have absolute like temperature, weather has changed here, but we still get a fair amount of snow and cold winters. And so it's just, it's not as in your face. And so with having an event that is focused on the natural conditions, it gives us a, a, a backdrop to bring in everything from avalanche and sustainable backcountry practices to, you know, components around education. And, and, you know, for example, last year we, because of COVID, we weren't able to do these in-person events, but we did 15 hours of programming around everything from geology to the hydrology, the region to climate components. And I think that the more that we can educate internally, you know, the riders and the stars of this show in parallel with bringing education that has visuals and has like, I think, you know, one of the fundamental components of like protect our winners is making the challenges like tangible for people. It's not just theoretical. And so, you know, ultimately like this coming season, um, we're actually going to be able to do our in-person component and being able to have a week that is balanced with a number of these number of the subject matter we can bring leading experts into town and have these conversations with industry leaders, with professional writers and the layman and common folk and people who are passionate about the space. So you do like community speaking events, engagements, or booths at the event? Uh, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, yeah, exactly. All of the above. We'll have a number of like speaking series nights kind of intertwined with entertainment. And the well. underpinning of all that, Travis, is... is like you said, it's making people look with the unbelievable level of riding and the natural environment, but then using that in the same way that Jeremy is with Protect Our Winners to to educate to a degree, to bring the awareness and then and educate. Because the, the challenge that we face, and to bring it back to one of the things you said, which I think is really poignant, which is like ideals are worthless. This is a strong statement, you know, but it's also it's also really true. And one of the things that I see both of you having manifested and you're both absolute wizards at manifesting ideas into action. And a lot of times that can be a, a line in some remote place. And the, certainly the training you both have of making those things come to reality. You've both manifested so many amazing pieces of content. You've both manifested organizations like Protect Our Winners and, and what you're doing with the tour now. The thing that you said after that though was, but without action, if you just stare at a line and say, oh man, it would be amazing to, to do that someday, but you never take action, then, you know, there's no story and there's no mobilization or manifestation. And the SDG goal, uh, number 13 around climate action is they say urgent action to combat climate change and its, and its impacts. So 
with both of you on here, like, again, I, I do see you both sort of as magicians in certainly in the snowboard world, you have a unique magic and you've been able to, to sort of leap out of that and do things in, in your businesses and in terms of influence. So, you know, that's, I think that's a huge part of the conversation today is how do we talk about action? Cause everybody knows what's even what you're saying, Travis, about we're not feeling it. I mean, the floods in Belgium and Germany, the fires in BC, the heat wave in the Northwest, there was just a like a micro burst in Mumbai that knocked out water to 20 million people. These are all like, it's actually happening now. So like urgent action is needed and your platforms are, are helping mobilize our community around that idea. And it can be paralyzing as Terry was saying, but what is, you know, from both of you, um, and I'll just hang it out there, but what is the action that you think that, you know, you're taking personally that, and that, that we need to take as a community? Um, it's a broad question, but, you know, I'll just hang it out there because I think if, if we can affect that in this conversation, that would be great. Like what is the, taking the idea of, yes, we're living in a time that climate is super important, but what is the action that needs to be taken? Yeah. And, and maybe a follow-up to that, just to make it, um, a little clearer and, and maybe Jeremy to direct this to you first, because you've been in this, this space for well over a decade now. Uh, imagine a situation where, you know, you might be in an elevator someplace, assuming it's safe to be in an elevator with somebody else these days. <laughs> I think it is, but you're like in an elevator with a friend you've rode with before you're on a travel or expedition. They're in your social circle and they kind of turn to you and they say, Hey, yeah, I mean, I'm concerned about climate too, but um, you know, I don't think anything I can do can really make a difference. It's, the policymakers, its industry, knowing what you know now and what you've navigated through, like what what kind of advice would you give to that person who's kind of just buried in that cynicism? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we talk about it in Protect Our Winners is like find your your lever for one. Mm -hmm. It's like, what are you good at? What are you passionate about? And then how can you relate that to this issue? Um, but, you know, it's interesting because when I started Protect Our Winners, it was like, we're going through our first like kind of 60 second PSA sizzle was like about changing light bulbs and these personal things. And quickly these science, these climate scientists are like, well, well, you know, yes, this stuff is important, but changing light bulbs is not going to get us out of climate change. We need policy. And so that's been the frustrating side of things, because I, I can tell you when I started, if I knew it was like the front lines of climate change was going to be Capitol Hill in the U.S., I don't know what I would have done. You know, that, that's just not my idea of like exciting work is to testify in front of Congress. And um, but the reality is where we are with mass scale CO2 reduction we need climate policy. And the problem with that is that we're up against the biggest industry in the world, the fossil fuel extraction industry that has literally invented lobbying and have spent more money lobbying politicians to get them to incentivize fossil fuels than any other industry in the world. Now, switch that on the other side of uh, the coin is you have this outdoor industry, which at Protect Our Winners, we call the outdoor state. And we try to make this doorway to enter really wide and really communicate around clean air, clean water. 
we can all relate that we want clean air, clean water, uh, no matter what side of the fence you're on. So I guess when you combine that with the size of the outdoor industry, which from a jobs perspective is actually bigger than the extraction industry, bigger than the pharmaceutical industry, and you look at the weight that the extraction industry and the pharmaceutical industry um, carries at, at, at Capitol Hill. I mean, these politicians would be terrified to go against um, one of those industry. They'll get primary and the, you know they'll find another person that's gonna take their money and do their thing. So they're in a tough spot, quite frankly, and not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but if you think of these different it's and it is these jobs that when we go we don't talk about polar bears and and those beautiful iceberg in the back of Gerard's photo uh we we talk about jobs and I guess uh what we're hoping to do is if you think of these um resorts out there and stuff and and like so my community would be a great example Lake Tahoe we're fighting you know and we have smoke hit our town it's ghost town. I mean, it makes like a rainy Christmas look like no big deal from a like loss of revenue. But so then we have the, you know, we do have these issues where we can't spend the lifts and if we can't spend the lifts, you know, the ripple effects of that felt through the whole community. We have nine ski areas in, in the Tahoe Basin. Our congressman is considered one of the 12 worst politicians when it comes to voting for the environment and climate change. How is it that this guy still has a job when the number one jobs creator in the industry keeps letting him get his job? I mean, that's not happening in Wyoming. I mean, you you understand why the politicians are who they are, because the amount of jobs created by the extraction industry in Wyoming is significant. And I ha you understand why someone there is going, dude, you can't, you're telling us to stop drilling. That's going to kill my town. And they fight like hell for it. And, and I have empathy for that. But my frustration to see the outdoor industry, and that is because sadly, climate is a political issue, but it is where we got to win and it is what it is. So it's in terms of action. I mean, certainly Protect Our Winners has done such a great job, but it's pay attention and vote for the outdoors, essentially vote for snowboarding, vote for winter and work beyond that even. I, I know that's where the mission with POW has gone to really being, I mean, like you said, you've become somewhat of a lobbyist, Jeremy, like, you know, and not, not what you, maybe not what you envisioned, but you know a lot more about that world now than probably imagined for the listener. And, and also for Travis, you know, like, how does that connect with what you're trying to do with the tour, you know, as an education platform, you know, are you guys talking about this or you, you know, because Travis, you're blasting out. I mean, that was the most watched thing in the, in the outdoor world, without a doubt, millions of people, you know, how can we get this message even at, at further scale and really push people to pick up the phone and call their representative? Well, and I think that's, that's it a hundred percent is um, this is something that we constantly debate and have conversation about what is the best path forward? How can we have the most influence? And just just trying to gain a authentic microphone to be able to communicate with people has been a huge, you know, huge task for us. And, you know, we're, we're at the very beginning stages of, of what we're trying to build. And, you know, as far as like personal components, like what you can do, like carbon offsets is like your simple baseline that 
at this point it's like you should do and it's not something you really even tout or or, or talk much about and i really appreciate you know, i think it was like three years ago jeremy when you guys put out your carbon calculator and offsetting tool through protect a winner and i remember having some great conversations with jake black over at pow and our film we had just finished a film uh dark matter up in alaska and the fact that there are now tools that make it like incredibly easy to do that in detail and you know with trips and travel and you know air travel is is probably one of the gnarliest you know there's so many apps out there even with the airlines and you know being able to like offset has become really basic and for our tour for example like this past year you know our goal was to be carbon positive not neutral and so as an example of like little things that we can try to do in the background that should be I think commonplace for any type of, I mean, our event is a tour. We, we use carbon to achieve our goals of what we're, what we're trying to do with this. And so, you know, we just, for example, we did like an offset of the total tour, including all athlete and staff travel through conservation international with, this is kind of like our global campaign through their big reforestation project in Kenya. And then we did on top of that, like a drawdown event to kind of one X and be carbon positive in a sense. And we brought on a few uh, individuals, uh, Lucas Esekowitz and Emily Newman. I think they're from the Yale School of Forestry and Environmental Management. And for looking at, cause it's, it's not that easy yet to find good regional carbon sequestering projects. And, you know, through the help of them, we found this uh, place called the May, the May Ranch down in Colorado, for example. It's a, you know, award-winning, you know, environmental management ranch where we could, you know, go in and essentially through wetlands, grassland restoration, we're able to sequester the same amount of carbon that we spent, which I think at the end of the day, you know, for the entirety of our three-stop tour, or, you know, from Jackson to BC to AK, I think it was 221 units or units, megatons of carbon. And so being able to have net positive of that same amount is, is kind of the baseline. And it's a really interesting project, you know, learning about how it all works. But I think talking with Jake Black and Jeremy at, at POW, like he was saying, you know, like, that's great. Like, it's, it's good that you're doing that. Everyone should be doing that. It's become incredibly easy, incredibly easy to do that. So much of it is, is policy. And I've been taking you know, quite a bit of lead from POW just with, you know, when it's in election cycles and, and, and what can be done and said through, through activism. This podcast is brought to you this season by Adventure Activists, adventureactivists.org, amazing organization that exists to get these ideas in particular around the sustainable development goals of the UN out into the, into the world and work towards change and impact. And my co-host is Dr. Terry O'Connor, the founder, and I happen to have him right here. Terry, tell me about Adventure Activists and what was the impetus and, you know, what do you guys do? Why is it important? And thank you for your support. Yeah, CJ, uh, you know, the Adventure Activist really started as a small little crew of some of my closest friends uh, here at home in, in Idaho who have spent really a collective decades exploring and traveling around the world with National Geographic and uh, other large scale 
expeditions. And really, we kind of discovered in that process that we're pretty uniquely positioned to see some of the evolving problems around the planet and uh, decided in, in our actions that, um, man, I mean, there's a space for us to do something about it, whether it be awareness or actually uh, starting our own campaign. So really, we sought out our peers uh, to hear their stories. What have they seen and how have they responded? And, and uh, in that, we've, we've found so many interesting stories of people taking their formative life experiences around the world and really translating that into some meaningful action and change for good. And it's been inspiring and awesome. And it's been so cool to have these conversations with everybody. It, it really has. And, and thank you for the inspiration to, to give that focus to what we're talking about here. Um, and, you know, thanks for all your work there. I know you're a busy guy. So to found a nonprofit and also be an ER doc and also be a podcast host, which much like Jeremy in this, in this episode, I don't know if that's where you saw yourself going with your career is being a podcast host, but I appreciate you being here with me. And, and thanks for all the support this, this season from adventureactivist.org. Go check it out. You're talking about Travis's putting the time in to do the research and, and to find ways to be positive, like you said, in terms of the, the effect of how we make our livings. When I look at what's coming over mm. sort of through the airwaves now, and, you know, like I said, these floods in Germany and Belgium have forced, you know, Angela Merkel on the television saying there are no words in the German language for what's happened here. Like this isn't sort of a theoretical and I guess I would love to hear Jeremy from your perspective, like you've been at this for so long, the urgency of today and Europe is saying they want to cut the fossil fuel emissions by 50% by 2030. And the, the proposal that they're putting out there now is really, it, it basically is going to change people's lives, right? Like it's going to change the way we live. Cheap flights, the tax against aviation fuel will make flights in Europe much more expensive. Like that's over if, if this were to go through, which who knows if it will, and there's a lot of politics to it. But the point is if there isn't like significant change that we all feel, it feels, and this is just my opinion. It feels like this is the urgency of it is it's sort of like we are the frogs in the boiling water right now, where, I mean, the stuff that's happening in the Northwest and the fire, like we haven't ever seen this before and it's happening faster. So what are this, what's the discussion? I mean, not to be doomsday, but you know, what kind of action do you think Jeremy needs to happen on an urgency level in terms of our politics and, and our leadership? If we're going to, and to both of you as fathers, this is really about the next generation. That's what, that's what it is. Cause it, right now it's not looking so good. Yeah. So, I mean, to be clear, like this is the, you couldn't create a more complex problem. We've incentivized the burning of fossil fuels. We've made it really affordable. And now we're going, wow, the burning of these fossil fuels is really bad. And now we've got to change this course. And, be, and, and so it's just a really challenging, but yes, what's happening now, if you're paying attention, I mean, the amount of comments or, or um, you know, the word unprecedented, unprecedented times, unprecedented weather events, one in a thousand weather event that's just happened in the last month is shocking. And it's basically, you know, and we're hearing from the scientists are going, we are 
all everything right now is like you know you'd have these climate predictions and right now where we're sitting today is they're like this is all at the extreme end of what you know the worst case scenario of our predictions is like happening you know 40 degrees above average temperatures in portland uh you know last month that i mean it's just like stuff that they can't eight inches of rain in two hours in China. I mean, that, you know, an inch of rain is an inch of snow is to do the math. I mean, that is like, we just think about that for a minute and it's, you know, and, and again, rains and droughts and all this stuff happen. It's just the amplifier is, um, is the CO2 we're pumping in there. But I guess in, in short, we're like, we're incentivizing what's killing us so it, it and i guess you can look at the tobacco industry as an example of um what was going on you know the because the playbook the fossil fuel industry is straight out of they they actually like hired the same pr firms and it's like dodge and deny but the first thing it would be great is to stop incentivizing the hell and and subsidizing uh fossil fuels and have it on an equal plane would be a a start i mean imagine if we as a society went out and was like which mind you you could say we do this with sugar which is incentivizing uh and making really cheap the things that are going to kill us as a society that's what we're doing right now Mm. and that would be a great place to start and you know there the strategy around wedge issues jeremy there have been political operatives in such a great job of creating wed- wedge issues around whether it be it gun control or, or, you know, abortion. And those are two great examples of issues that people, it doesn't matter anything else you believe. If you don't believe what they believe in those two issues, like, you know, sorry, like, and so what strategically, you know, are these conversations that Powell's having and, you know, in terms of making it about jobs, in terms of really pushing it from a polarization standpoint to say you're choosing to kill the planet or you're choosing, you know, to, to have no future for our youth. If you are subsidizing fossil fuels, like, I don't know, I'm, it's not my world, but what is the actions being taken by Powell sort of on that to get people to sort of rise up on this? Well, for starters, when, to be clear, we, when we go to uh, Capitol Hill, I, 80% of our meetings is with moderate Republicans uh, to try to, and you know, there, there is change happening. And, and I guess from a, just, this is a lot of doomsday stuff. The exciting thing is, is we largely have the solutions. And we, if we went all in as a society on the solutions, we can actually make significant CO2 reduction. And, you know, and, and with the Republicans behind closed doors, it's like because there's never been a politician who's lost an election due to their stance on climate. And you could actually kind of make the case on Trump that that played a factor in it. And it was such a tight election that that might have been the first. But uh, so as soon as that happens, it's like, understandably, these politicians, they want job security. And they so they're if they have political will and a lot of them are not the climate deniers that you see on or you know that if you look at social media it's like really it's a really loud minority so these republicans are having a hard time because they want a lot of them you know enough of them want action on climate and then so it's but again like having a debate what's been frustrating is we can't even for a long time the, the word climate change was just like 
off the record. You couldn't even say it. And so it's frustrating that having a debate on the, the floors of Congress on what the right path forward for solutions, welcome debate. Am I here to say that the the Green New Deal or nothing? No, that is not where we're at. But sadly, we're just trying to get them to accept that we have this problem and come with us with your solutions. Maybe they have a more market-based solution, you know, which ending subsidies is really what that is. And, you know, we could move forward. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good point to note. Uh, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm pushing the doomsday thing here a little bit hard that there that we do have the solution. It is a, it's a matter of overall mass adoption, right? And moving to alternative energy sources. I mean, that's in short. And yeah. Travis, you you live up there in the, in the middle of a state that, you know, is very much driven by, as Jeremy said, and, I, and Jeremy, I love the piece you put out, Purple Mountains, about having to have these conversations. You can't, you got to be able to have the conversation and behind closed doors, everyone agrees, right? Um, how, how do you encounter it on the street, Travis, like given your, your love for the outdoors and, you know, your support for all of this, because I think that's a tangible and relevant thing. And we've got to bring people over to the side of it in order to mobilize. Yeah. I mean, I, I think on like the personal relationship side and just day to day, I, I think they're complementary things, but you know, for example, like, and it might sound funny, but I, you know, I would say that like climate is not my number one. My number one is around self-inquiry and trying to come at all scenarios from more of a standpoint of love and not fear. You know, I think I think it was really paralyzing to a lot of the population, the the real like doomsday component in it and the scale of it without it being also presented with like the solutions that exist. And so, you know, I say that in, in the sense that human society and how people communicate has has evolved a lot it, even in my you know short 30 years of awareness of it um even you know how how kids communicate to each other now from when i was in school um there's been incredible change and incredible progress and inevitably getting one's own house in better order and taking time to kind of go inward in a sense the better that you have taken the time to understand more about yourself, the better that that radiates outwards. And coming at scenarios in, in, in any situations with more empathy and coming to these solutions out of love and, and, and not necessarily fear, like it's, you know, it's okay to be fucking mad as so many people are and should be. But I think that that has just in my own personal realm has really changed how I look at a lot of these challenges and also with them, you know, solutions. And it's unfortunate that we, you know, select our leaders based around perceived strength when, when really it should be around who are the most empathetic. They're the ones who should be in, in, in power. They're the ones who should be the decision makers. And, I, you know, with the benefits of social media, the fact that that empathetic view into what's happening around the world is so prevalent in our phones and in media now, because people do have a chance to, to have an empathetic connection with that. And, you know, hats off to organizations like Jeremy's and his team that have also evolved their messaging into something that isn't so fearful and fear-based and, and more solution-oriented. 
And so, you know, day to day and whatever, you know, this has been said a hundred times, but we also under, you know, acknowledge how powerful we are, are on an individual basis and where do we spend our money? What brands do we support? You know, these are like daily, easy decisions that actually have a huge implication. You know, I've heard you say that, Travis, and it's really impacted me personally when you said, you know, you can't control everything, but you can control what you put in your body and you can control what you put in your mind. And you put out there, you've put that out there publicly. And, and it's, I think it's a great takeaway is, you know, we can all make choices every single day on who we support with our wallet that does have an impact. I mean, and that's, that goes to the, again, to the idea of action for our listeners, what actions, you know, I'm feeling like we've talked about the fact that you need to vote. You need to get out there and pick up the phone and call your representative and, and speak your mind and, and your conscience on the subject. You can control what you buy and what you don't buy. And, you know, to try to leave the listener with some optimism, I think, Jeremy, some of the things that you've done that are positive, I guess, would be great to hear. Where's the success for your organization and how can we, we take that and build on it? And maybe as a follow-up, Jeremy, I, get the, I think what we've kind of traced here is the awareness campaign has been super important, right? We need to pe- make people aware of what policies, what industry bias has been in the system, how we consume, how that's contributing, connecting the dots, connecting the pieces. But the problem is at a certain point, <laughs> we have a tendency to conflate the awareness with just an overwhelming pessimism and despair that this is a ginormous immovable object. And I think we're starting to identify different responses. And, you know, this conversation is kind of the journey of POW and how individuals can respond. But this audience and the group of people that are probably listening to this, like, I think a lot of them understand hard work. Many of us have put in multiple days on big expeditions. A lot of the listeners out there might have put a 30-hour push in on an ultra endurance event or whatnot. But at the end, there's like always this really tangible success, right? It's like the mountaintop, the great line that we got to ride. Climate action is not really like that. <laughs> you know, it's like you don't get this feedback. Like, how do we measure success? So someone can tell me that I need to buy renewable energy, I need to do carbon offsets. But then when you read and you look at the news, you're like, what am I doing? Like, what is the measure of success? And you've probably had to deal with so many setbacks in navigating power forward. And probably a lot of criticism too along the way. But I imagine the one thing that obviously keeps you going is like looking at the little successes. And I, I imagine it'd be great for people to hear like, how have you defined success? Like what have been the, the positive things you can point to that you and your journey of power has done that kind of keeps you going? Yeah, um, I guess just to start, you know, I think this empathy is super important, understanding where people are coming at. And, and so I lost... I actually, I kind of no longer am very emotional. Uh, I get emotionally charged by attacks or what have you. Like I understand the the creation of the viewpoints that are against me. Um, I see, you know, some people get really angry and and turn, you know, the slightest thing will tick them off. And and when I look at that, I see this really volatile humanity in general, and go, man, you know you should maybe want to go and like unplug and watch the sunset tonight and like take 10 deep breaths. Um, so that's been really helpful. And I guess as far as success goes, uh, you know, we're like trying to move this slow moving 
barge and and we got to do it faster is the problem i actually like we are on a 30-year path to this cleaner society because it's good business or jobs creators and what we need more urgency to get there faster and i think this last election um is an example of like if you think of where we were going um and we still have a ton of work to do but that you know we at protect our winners we really focus on why i made this film purple mountains is what i call purple states where you know those are critical and so a couple hundred votes can make a huge difference and i guess to i love travis's like every day's a vote our lifestyle is a vote what we eat where how we interact um are we taking public trans transportation are we riding our bikes are we like this is all all votes um and then from a town level these um town public utility districts have huge power no pun intended on you can get a shit ton done on whether it's a solar farm in your community and and so i'm starting to dig into that side of things and really understand the challenges of that just from a community level and then because once you get it right in one spot then you can duplicate it in other spots and we're starting to see it and then you think like right now the cheapest energy to put online in the world right now is solar followed by wind and we're putting it on a lot more than we are drilling so those are huge um, wins electric vehicles watch the super bowl right now and you got the ford electric truck and this and that i mean it's just these are societal shifts that go watch the commercials from five years ago at the Super Bowl, and there's not a single one of those things. So I guess those would be a couple of, of examples of, of wins, and they're wins because it's good business, and it is more. I mean, that's the exciting. I don't know if any of you guys have had an opportunity to drive an electric car. You in an electric car, and it's like, why the fuck have I been like pushing on this gas pedal with this huge delay and this rumbling and I got to get my oil changed and da, 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 da. And like, so things are happening and we just got to keep incentivizing and keep incentivizing the companies that are working really hard to do the right thing and, um, and build this will to a more um, cleaner lifestyle in general. And that's where media and even just talking about uh, weather, like, like, how do you win on this front? It's, I look at it all as a marketing issue and that's what we can do. And it doesn't all need to be this heavy handed climate battle us against the fossil fuel industry media. I mean, there's this, like, you know, you got to fall in love with nature to want to protect nature. And I think that that's why you do see in, in the environmental movement, it, there's so many of those stories. I was a climber, I was a skier. I, you know, mm -hmm. you have this connection to the outdoors. So, so we call it the outdoor state. And, and that is, I mean, we're seeing this more and more people in the outdoors right now. And with that comes a stronger, you know, the, we're, they're getting taxed more, meaning like we're seeing more trash out there. The trails are more crowded and da, 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 da. So there's, you know, there's a price to pay for that. And, and my hope is communities moving forward understand like, wow, people are coming to our town to get outside. Let's tell them where to park instead of giving them a ticket. Nothing pisses me off more than getting a ticket, parking next to the National Forest to go for a walk in the woods. But um, anyways, 
you know, just embracing the outdoors and and taking, breaking it down into these small steps that hopefully lead to um, bigger steps and bigger wins. Amen. I mean, uh, you know, I think a lot of time, like the focus of the narrative is on division and like you were talking about CJ, these, these, these topics that, you know, you're the, you're either on this side or this side, but you know, focusing on the, like how much we actually have in common through line is, is so much more powerful. And the fact that uh, whatever, one of my favorite POW t-shirts, I forget, it's like climate activism and the, uh, the side effects are cleaner air and cleaner water, whatever, something like that. But you know, there's, there's things like that, that I think could use more, more focus. The fact that nobody wants polluted water, like nobody wants polluted air. Like, like it, it truly, it's, it's, it, we are killing ourselves or furthering toxicify ourselves with the byproducts of this industry. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot of these like bumpers around like, well, what are safe levels of emissions? What are safe levels of these, you know, heavy metals in our air? And there should be none. And I, I think that's an area that can be much further more explored. Mm-hmm. I think that it's well said, Trav, and you know, your, your passion for the outdoors can save it, right? That's, that's what you have on the website, Jeremy, for protect our winners. And certainly our listeners are, are passionate about spending time in nature and, and connecting. It's a big part of what we're trying to do with Rome too, is to, you know, have adventure with purpose, right? Like get out there. And you said at the beginning, Jeremy, like, I hope everybody's getting out there every day and connecting because it makes, it's a a deeper connection with yourself, as you were saying, Travis, first and foremost, and awareness. And that's, uh, that's what I think leads to more collective consciousness around an issue like this, which is affects all of us to your points on, of course, we all want clean air and clean water. Actually, Trump did say that, that we, the air is going to be so clean and the water is going to be so clean. <laughs> so I know Jeremy is not that complicated either. So <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, uh, man, I, I can't thank you guys enough. I, I love both of you. Uh, and I, all of your, all of your support in joining us here today. And, uh, I, I know that our listeners are really appreciative of your insights. We could talk for another hour. I would love to do it anytime you guys want to use our platform to talk about things that, that you've got going on. You know, that's what we're here for. And everyone loves to hear from you. So thank you both so much for, uh, finding the time today to do this and hopefully we can do it again. And, you know, a lot of work to be done, but I, I like ending on the, on the note of optimism. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for all of your efforts, Terry. Awesome to be on Jeremy, like whatever I, you know, I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still a porous vessel looking for direction. So I appreciate you guys work and just keep pulling the levers. (laughs) That's all I can say. Well, the inspiration is mutual and an honor to have a conversation with you guys. Man, that was awesome. Uh, so grateful for those two just in life in general, but for them to, to join us uh, and talk about this, uh, this issue that is all on the top of all of our minds, uh, I think it was a real special treat. A lot of takeaways. What do you, what do you think, Terry? What, what, what came out of that for you? Uh, what's the takeaway for our audience? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again to Travis and, and Jeremy for making the time. Uh, really awesome and honored to have them in this space with us. Yeah, there's a number of things that kind of struck my mind. I, I really liked 
the concept of really putting mother nature as a centerpiece, you know, that was Travis's uh, kind of concept behind the natural selection tour. And I think that really is the genesis of, you know, the idea and inspiration clearly for Jeremy Jones and, and this burr in the saddle, as we kind of talked about it, of getting him into climate activism. Um, and then the other thing struck me in just listening to their conversation. And I think, you know, we hit a little bit on how this seems to be such a huge problem and the the odds are stacked against us and, and who are we to make a difference? And, you know, Jeremy focused a bit on some of the solutions and the progress he's seen in, in his decade plus of activism and the levers that can be pulled to, to move this ginormous boulder out of the way. But I think really what it comes down to is, you know, it, it is a lot of hard work. It's a lot of hard work without seeing real change happening in front of you in real time. I mean, I think you have to have the patience uh, to play this through and, and deal with some of the challenges he's dealt with. You have to uh, step in to the arena and do things you really don't want to do. <laughs> uh, clearly, I don't think Jeremy was signing up to go to DC as much as he has been in his career with activism up to this point. But to me, I think the biggest take home um, is this idea of of empathy. And, and maybe I'll just explain this a little bit more. And that is um, what we unfortunately didn't really get into so much. And what I struggle with is uh, I certainly love the natural environment and my travels and expeditions have made me become who I am and why I'm here talking to you about this. Um, but I, I struggle with my personal calling for conservation and, and to try to preserve the planet as it is. But the fact that I'm also a consumer on this planet, right? I, I buy gear, I buy new skis, I take flights across the Pacific. And then there's a difficulty in reconciling those two. And I think you can just become paralyzed because you are, um, uh, you're not perfect. I'm someone who's taken a flight across the Atlantic or the Pacific. I've mm -hmm. gone on an expedition to the Himalaya. I've bought a lot of carbon fiber products <laughs> that were produced. I drive a vehicle that emits CO2 and it's a combustion vehicle. And I think ultimately to really make that step and to change our, our own lives and to have the courage to step into a big problem, I think we just have to have empathy for ourselves and just be like, yeah, okay. Hmm. You know, I could have done it better before. I didn't. Uh, here we are now. I know better. I know the state of play. I know what the solutions are. Um, let's not beat ourselves up about the lives we lived before, but think about the lives we can lead going ahead. And I, and I think these guys are, um, are living it. You know, Jeremy's mm -hmm. been doing it for a long time and Travis is just, you can kind of see the wheels are just starting to spin in his head. And um, uh, it's just awesome to have these guys as allies in the fight going forward. Yeah. I think that's a good, uh, you know, one thing I, th I think Terry is, I don't know if you're doing this. I mean, you have a very serious job compared to me. So I know that, uh, you know, s sometimes when I start like a production, I'll, I will actually start with saying, Hey, look, we're here to have fun. No one's going to die. Right. But you can't, you don't have that uh, luxury in, in your job. So I understand the seriousness of, of sometimes the, the, the conflict you're having with the approach it, I've been listening to a lot of comedy. I don't know if that uh, is something that you do, but in yeah. some of that is like, just lighten up in general. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like, you know, uh, this is serious stuff. Climate change is obviously it's serious. It's, it's the survival of our species. It's actually nothing more serious in my opinion. I mean, I'm looking at like, do I need to buy some land in the Northern Arctic to, make sure that my son has a place to go, you know, in, in 50 years, like I'm not actually doing that. I do think about it though, but uh, you know, it, it, it's, it, 
it's serious, but at the same time, like, you know, we have to live our lives and I think our priorities and our values are really important. And what we're trying to do here is to bring this, bring these conversations to you listener and, and help you navigate this yourself as Terry is saying. And I think that listening to, to, you know, absolute luminaries in, in our space with Travis and, and Jeremy, who have been amazing at manifesting their ideas into action. And so I, I would leave you with that, you know, is it, your ideas on this subject, and they both said this, you know, that they're, they can have a huge impact. So, but ideas are worthless, as Travis said. So make those ideas and, and, and bring them into action, take action in one way or another. Um, and, you know, and at the same time, you know, watch a comedy. Don't take it too seriously. Uh, you <laughs> yeah. gotta take care of yourself. Make sure you get outside. I mean, it's the connection to the outdoor world that brings us all together on the subject anyways, right? So, yeah. yeah. Well, when dealing with grave problems, you gotta bring some levity in it. I'm sure you know that uh, those who also work in uh, ER settings uh, were, were champions of dark humor. So uh, <laughs> I bet it's, I can't it's, even it's, a way, yeah. it's a way to navigate through. But I think the, the other take home message too is like, this is the power of, of working with a community that, that you love spending time with and that understands you. Uh, I mean, we can have empathy for one another. We're not perfect, but we can have the same goal. It's a big goal, um, but we can bring some fun into it. And we actually, we may actually see ourselves move the needle going forward. And that's, uh, I, I think that's been the story behind these two and their journey forward uh, and for going sure. in the future too. So, yeah. um, hey, thanks again, Jeremy and Travis, uh, for for stepping into the arena and doing uh, your efforts to to work and fight for SDG Goal 13 with climate action. I know I and the rest of the board here at the Venture Activist appreciate your efforts uh, in this arena. Indeed, and and make sure you go check out protectourwinners.org, which of course is Jeremy's organization. Tons of really great resources there. Travis mentioned the the uh, our carbon offset calculator is a, is a great one. There's so much there, and then uh, naturalselectiontour.com is what Travis has been up to uh, and manifesting that over many many years into an amazing spectacle of the greatest snowboarding on earth truly so check them out and thanks for joining us uh, if you like this podcast and you like these conversations you know give us a, a, sub a subscribe and share with your friends we really appreciate it Terry it's been such a pleasure working on this with you man thank you for for showing up um, with everything that you've got going on I know our listeners appreciate it and uh and yeah man you know go go listen to some comedy <laughs> i'm gonna get outside gonna all right outside. peace all right, thanks Thank everybody you, okay bye Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Terry O'Connor here with The Adventure Activist and uh, partnered with my good buddy here, CJ from Rome. And this uh, podcast is sponsored by Rome and the Rome Academy, um, where they bring together adventure and purpose and a lot you can learn on their platform. CJ, uh, give us a little teaser of what you guys got going on over there. Yeah, thanks, Terry. Uh yeah, Rome Academy is our membership program. That's that's what allows us to keep the lights on here and bring this stuff to you. And if uh, if you dig it, go check it out. Uh, it's it's all comes from our mission to inspire, educate, and activate adventure with purpose. And really, we want to inspire you to get outdoors, uh, to get out there and participate and connect with yourself, connect with your community, and connect with nature. And if we can help you in one way or another by giving you education to do that, we have uh, we've got classes from Jimmy Chin uh, on climbing photography. We've got 
Climbing Essentials by the great himself, Conrad Anker. We've got How to Achieve Your Dreams with Mike Horn, the greatest living explorer. It goes on and on. Ian Walsh and classes coming from Rebecca Rush and Sasha DeJulian. We've got really the greatest of, of, of our time teaching how they do their, apply their craft in one way or another. And beyond that, we have other benefits. If you become a member, you can get discounts for lodging and discounts on gear and travel. And it's growing all the time. The membership's growing. We really appreciate all of you that come on board. Uh, go check it out. It's a romedia.com. Bonjour.